0: Hello everyone. Welcome to Reiki Radio. I am your host, Yolanda, and happy Monday. It is the new moon today, actually. It's the new moon in Scorpio. Um, Before we get into the podcast, just want to remind all of you, if you are new to the community, welcome. Be sure to head over to my website, theenergeticalchemist.com and sign up for the newsletter because what you will get right away is the energy of the month and you also get free access to creating with the moon and stars, which will really support you in how to navigate the monthly energies, including, Um, Some tips around new moon and full moon rituals. So it's perfect for today, but you'll also get access to 22 days of transformation for free, and that will support you in your energetic alchemy. So there's a lot of free content there for you, as well as you will get updates with upcoming classes and events. Um, I also want to remind you that the Reiki Rays Global Healing Summit is going on right now. It started officially on Saturday, and today is day three, so you can register for this for free, and if you register for free, you can watch the new interviews as they are disseminated each day for 24 hours. However, you also have an option of accessing everything, the entire summit, and watching at your own pace. But for either option, go to my website, theenergeticalchemist.com, and on the homepage, you will see how you can register. So go ahead and grab that today, especially if you are into Reiki, if you practice Reiki, just curious, whatever it may be. There are so many beautiful conversations within the summit that are from people who are researching very specific areas within Reiki. Um, You'll hear some phenomenal ways that people are working with the system Um, There are authors, teachers, healers from around the world, and it was an honor to be a part of that again. So I got to conduct 17 of the interviews, and yeah, I mean, there are just so many phenomenal people you will meet and learn from. So today, though, on the podcast, I got to have a conversation with Danielle Delsky. So you... May have known of her work already. She's an author. She is a witch. She is a poet, an artist. Um, She calls herself a heathen visionary. And we met her here on the podcast two years ago. We talked about a book um, that she had published back then, as well as her Oracle deck um, that had come out around that time. So we talked about Seasons of Moon and Flame and Sacred Hags Oracle. But now she has a new book out, and it is just as amazing. Um, It's called Bones and Honey, and it's a very, very interesting book. So this book is a book of prayers and incantations, and we talk about this as well as her work in general. I think it will inspire you. She's very interesting and so just amazing with words in general. Um, I wanted to let you know. Something about this book, though, because I know a lot of you who listen to the podcast, you resonate with so many of the teachers and the authors who come. And this time you can actually interact (laughs) with the authors. So Danielle is having an event on November 15th, 16th, and 17th. They will be live sessions to explore this new book with her, Bones and Honey. So if you do register, you'll receive access to the recordings, even if you can't attend live. And I will put the link for that down in the show description. So again, if you are interested, if you have the book or you order the book, you can join her for live discussions about the book on the 15th, 16th, and 17th. Um, that is coming up. So there is a link to learn more about her work. You can go to Danieldelski.com. You can also go to the hagschool.com, which is um, a school that she uh, facilitates as well. Um <laughs> So yeah, I really enjoyed this conversation with Danielle. I'm sure you will enjoy it too. And if you have any questions for me after the show, you can always join me for the Reiki Radio Roundtable, which happens on Tuesdays. And we can talk about anything. You can come and join me. It's a live discussion about the podcast, about Reiki, whatever you want to talk about just download my app. So go to the Apple App Store or Google Play for Androids and download the Energetic Alchemist app. And you will see that you have access to the Reiki radio roundtables. Again, that happens on Tuesdays. They are not recorded. So if you want to have the discussion, you have to come live. All right. So that is all for now, beautiful alchemist. I hope you enjoy this episode with the amazing Danielle Dulski. Again, her website is danieldulski.com. Be sure to go down in the show description to register for her free discussion about her book. And I will see you on the other side. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Reiki Radio. Today, we are here with the beautiful Daniel Dusky, founder of the Hag School. I am so excited to talk to you again. I'm just right now trying to take a breath, breathe it in. Um, Thank you for making time to come back today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Yolanda. Absolutely. Yeah. So I just want to tell everyone as a reminder, um, we had the pleasure of speaking with you two years ago, I think it was. And it was when seasons of the moon and flame had come out. And that's where I really fell in love with your work because you're such a poet. And so for people don't know, you are a writer, a poet, a witch and a heathen. And we'll talk about that too. But you also have the sacred hags Oracle, which we spoke about at that time. So today is a whole new conversation. So I wanted to ask you, first of all, about that, um, just wanted to have a little bit of discussion with you about these titles, because I'm sure people have so many ideas of what it all means. And you're so bold in your descriptions. (laughs) I love it. Could you talk a little bit about what it means, first of all, for you to even have the identification and the experience expression of which, and then also heathen? Yeah, Uh, good
1: questions. So Witch to me, you know, the etymology of witch is wise one. So I think that I claimed the name witch for myself long before I understood that it meant wise one because I was 24 years old when I decided I was a witch. So I know that I wasn't that wise. I have a lot of evidence for why I was not particularly wise at that time, but it felt really right. And the claiming of that name for me was really about I had just given birth to my first son. I was looking at him and I had been practicing witchcraft for a long time and hiding it, um, mostly because of the way I was raised as a born again Christian. And I hadn't been part of that for a long time, but I still had all of that trepidation around um, they're gonna burn me I mean right. I think it comes right. down to that right and so I was looking at him when I was nursing him in the middle of the night which is just like the loneliest time you know <laughs> two yeah. o'clock in the morning you're just dark night of the soul and I was thinking that I never really want him to have to hide a huge part of who he is and so why was I doing that and so that claiming of the name witch, and I wasn't screaming it from the rooftops or anything, but it was it was a decision that I was no longer going to strategically hide it. And then heathen, I think that came along much later. So heathen was something that my mother used to call me when I was young, uh, when I was like being bad, and you know supposed to mean that I was ungodly or being sinful or something. Yeah. But the word story that's tucked inside the word heathen is dweller on the heath. So the people that were primarily in the northern European lands that were the last to be christianized or colonized, they were like the hold, holdouts. Those were the heathens. They lived on the in the rural rural areas on the heath. So thinking about always what does it mean for me to be a dweller on the heath, even though I don't live on a heath. What does it mean to um, tend to my inner uncivilized self? And I think that I can ask myself that question every day and come up with a different answer. And it doesn't necessarily mean that i'm off the grid because obviously i'm not since we're zooming yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) that i've or that i've shed all of these you know responsibilities or duties or yeah things that would have me belong to a city which is what civilized means because i do live in a very civilized place um And so for me, like the union of the two, witch and heathen. So what does it mean to be uh, a kind of dweller on the fringes, on the borderlands, figuring out how much I can get away with and yet still very much belonging to life and my people? And what wisdom is there within that? So, you know, in fairy tales, the witch is the one who kind of lives on the borderlands. She's not totally removed from... (laughs) world but she's not really a part of it wholly either and I like that you know being just on the the edges so
0: yeah being just on the fringe you know it's interesting hearing you speak and you just reminded me in the book there was a part um, where you do talk about the etymology of very particular of um, specific words and it made me even more curious about the way in which you write And so I wanted to ask you about that, too, because it's interesting. I was trying to wrap my brain around like really the way I was ingesting the way that you write. And I'm like, it's so poetic, but it's also gritty. I think when we hear the word poetic, you just think, I don't know, love and softness. And no, there's something about the way that you write that's very gritty is the only word I can think of, but it is also beautiful at the same time. It's like this and, you know, there's something about it that is even in a beautiful way, there's something that you can say that will make us like uncomfortable inside and intrigued at the same time. Like it's very interesting. So I was curious about that. Have you always been this type of writer? Is this the way your soul always spoke? Or was there some experience in life that really brought you to this?
1: I think I was I was just talking about my experience in my high school creative writing class. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's really fresh in my mind, how, you know, I was maybe acknowledged as being a a relatively good, solid writer at the time, but it was always that my writing was too drippy and there was so many adjectives in it and my sentences were too long and all of that. And I think that that is still true. I mean, for the most part, that's the criticism I still get um, from the people that maybe don't love my writing is that it's just kind of, it's got a lot in there. And I think that I was not aware of this um, until I started really weaving witchcraft with writing. But in a spell container, writing aside, I'm always trying to put some paradox in there. So I'm trying to have what I call the light, the dark and the holy. So you have this click of opposites that would be light and shadow. And then there is this air of the sacred or the hallowed within it. And I think that when I would be writing a charm, so something that would be spoken in a spell container, even if it's just one sentence, I would try to have the light, the dark and the holy within that one sentence. So like I'm often saying incantations that begin with by the power, pain and prayers of my foremothers. Mm -hmm. So power, pain and prayer is very like the light, the dark and the holy. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, what you're saying about like the parts that kind of bite you or or whatever that might be I also really like the word rot and words that make you kind of think about death in a way that is cosmic and cyclical and not necessarily something to be feared so so yeah I'm so I, I know that I do try to get that in my writing consciously now as much as possible it wasn't always that way but the the sogginess of my writing yes. probably always there
0: you know it's so funny because you did you described it as like some people said your sentences were too drippy and I was like I actually like that that sounds like ooh, <laughs> drippy but it's interesting that you describe it this way because that was one of the words that I wrote down um was duality there's this way where you really do marry and harmonize I mean it's very clear like different sections and we're going to talk about the makeup of your new book, but how you, you clearly pair, you know, what would seemingly be opposites, but what binds them is very interesting. It's almost like you allow the opposites to be in the glory of their opposition, but then there's something binding there that it's almost like a unification, but still they can have their freedom at the same time you bring out the beauty in what we may deem ugly, but then also show us the, the darker side of what we may assume is beautiful. I hope that makes sense. You guys have to read her work. (laughs) It's beautiful. (laughs) No, I absolutely love it. And I remember even after um, meeting you a couple of years ago, that's all I could say about you. I was like, she's so poetic." You just, I couldn't articulate what I thought of your work and your words, but it's (laughs) incredible. So, Now you have written this book, Bones and Honey, a heathen prayer book. And even the title alone just made me smile. It's like a heathen prayer book, again, just because of the assumption that we have with these different titles, you know? And so one of the things that came to mind was you speak about kind of peppered through just the calling of us at a soul level being here at this time. And we look out in the world and there's so much going on, so much chaos, so much disruption. And yet we chose to be here at this time. And so I wanted to hear from your point of view, what it is you think that soul's call is that we can recognize to have more acceptance about being here and then how these words can kind of help us navigate.
1: Yeah, I, I really believe that. And I'm aware that not everybody believes that we chose to be here. And I respect that. But for for me, it really does feel like why else would I be here? (laughs) I must have chosen to be here. I don't believe that it was an accident. And I know, like, especially, well, especially, I think especially, through 2020 and since, you know, it hasn't gone away yet, but this awareness of moving through this kind of global underworld myth and as an Aquarian, like being just aware of the grief and the death and all of the things that we might say are negative about it. And yet just being so like stunned, almost to a point of joy that I get to be here and see Mm -hmm. it. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that there are other chapters in the world story that maybe would have felt a bit more stable (laughs) and yet, and maybe not I don't know, Um, but just in reflection, maybe would have been more stable and yet I chose to be here for like this one and that this is probably just the beginning of some great thing and I get to be here for it so um, so for everyone else I feel like I, I don't know at what point the acceptance enters in. But I think that it is helpful to kind of take an inventory pretty regularly about the chapters of your life that you have lived and what are the big themes that are apparent within those chapters, because it can help you see maybe what you're being oriented toward now. Um, you know What have you always loved doing since you were a child, like what's your primary art? Uh, What are the moments in life where you really felt like you were the most you you could possibly be? If you kind of track those, and it takes some time to do it. But if you can track those moments where you really felt so much in the flow, you can see like what is obviously part of your soul's calling. Mm -hmm. And you can also see how it evolves over time. And as you do live through these personal once upon a times and ever afters and be able to see what story might be happening next Um, so again I don't know if that's a a tool for acceptance but it does really support this holding of the tension and I think you know being able to name your gifts that you're holding in one hand and like these deep bleeding wounds that you're holding in the other hand, and then sensing this great power that comes from holding the tension between both. Um, So, so in my book, you know, bones and honey, that is what I'm trying to name is like the bones are what remain after we die. So, I mean, that is the gnarliness, that is the rot. And then the honey is the sweetness and the joy in life. So, you know, we can't let the bones block the honey or the fact that we will be bones someday sooner or later, keep us from enjoying the sweetness of life. So, yeah.
0: It's funny you say that was something I was going to ask you about. There's two things. One, I want to say first with the bones. Um, I remember just recently I saw a skull. I mean, we're close to Halloween, so there's skulls everywhere. <laughs> and um <laughs> I was looking at some skull and just having the thought of like how they are usually evoking us some kind of fear or remind us of immortality or something. I don't know. We automatically assume that, I don't know, a skull just seems like something horrific associated with death in a lot of ways, but it is evidence of life, you know? And so I remember having this moment of, oh, I spoke to someone and they had a skull with butterflies all all around it. So kind of that um, pairing that you do, you know, and I thought like, that's really interesting. If we just how we perceive things and then what that gives us in the lens of understanding of our life and death for that matter um, and how those lenses can change the overall experience. And I think that's what your work does. It's so beautiful in that way. So I wanted to ask you about this too. Um, I mentioned before the way that you say things and even that you bring up the etymology of different words, but how important do you think language is? And is that part of why you seem to have such a reverence for it? But just the importance of our words and not, I guess what we speak, but also the type of speaking that we're doing, the type of creation we're doing.
1: Yeah, I think I think language is incredibly important. I think that um, for me, something that's readily apparent, weirdly, is the similarity between writing and painting. Um, like I went to school for painting, and painting was kind of my thing and I do still paint uh, but it was my primary art for a long time and just being able to really clearly see how certain words are very like colors on a paint palette and they make you feel a certain way just like a certain you know shade of red or blue might make you feel um and so if I'm trying to paint a certain picture with my words then I am kind of strategically doing that um so, in that way, they are incredibly important. I also think that I'm very into, as you can tell probably from my book, like mining the meaning out of out of different words and where did they come from, and just being able to see how like a single word is really a whole story, like you can see where it came from, and you know sometimes it's really surprising, and sometimes it isn't, but when it's surprising, it's just so so good, yeah. Uh, like the word writer, for instance, means the painter of signs. <laughs> wow. That's really cool, right? Um, so, you know, the words that just have become, um, you know, have have been, evolved to mean a certain thing. Sorry, my dog's trying to come out of the shadows here. <laughs> um, words that have evolved to mean a certain thing that didn't start out that way at all. And then why was that? Like what was going on in the world when they were born and and then how they evolved over time? So... I love that idea. So, you know, in that way, language is incredibly important. And then there's this other side of things where and yet it isn't that important because obviously it keeps changing. So (laughs) it's not so much important as a static entity. It's important in its evolution uh, and how like, you know, we're in conversations with these words as we're speaking. And that's
0: cool. <laughs> yeah, no, it really is. And that's what I love about reading your work too. There are certain writers and the, just the way that certain people may arrange words that give the words themselves a different texture. And it causes you then to recognize and notice language in a different way. And that's what I really appreciate about it. So I wanted to know, do you have a copy of the book there? I you? do, I just if you could just uh, show, got it. Yeah, I have my pre-orders on the way. I can't wait to get it actually. But I just wanted everyone to be able to see a copy of the book. Yeah, this is a beautiful cover.
1: Thank you. I mean, I didn't draw it, but yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: it's absolutely beautiful. So you did explain to us about The Bones and Honey, the title of the book, which is gorgeous and striking. Could you talk a bit about how it's laid out? Because I noticed right away, I'm like, okay, wait there's 13 books within this book. And then under each of the 13 books, there are 13 verses or sections. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. So could you talk, what was the inspiration about that? Or did it just kind of. Yeah. Um, so it was always going to
1: be 13 books. So I do love, I think that this is maybe true for all of my books. Um, where it's the book of this and the book of this. And so there's books within the one book. Um, So it was always going to be 13 books. And each book was named for a particular archetype that I was feeling was important medicine right now. So kind of, you know, post, uh, well, not post anything, but, you know, (laughs) maybe. Well, yeah, I'll say post 2020. And what are the more medicinal archetypes if an archetype is an energetic container of meaning and we can look at those as being power sources that can amplify certain aspects of our psyche right now and um, kind of orient us toward where we're meant to be going right now. what would those archetypes be? So The Wounded Healer, for instance, is I feel feel a really important archetype right now. So it was always going to be these 13 books. But originally, um, when I was coming up with the plan and kind of pitching it, it was going to be 20, I think it was going to be 29, or maybe even more different prayers that were within a single book. And then Mm -hmm. it became clear that then the book, The Bones and Honey would have been like a 500,000 words. <laughs> Nobody will read. So, yes, now it is 13 books, and each book then has 13 prayers within it. And some of those prayers are uh, fairy tales. Yes. So, um, there's, I think, six different fairy tales sort of revisioned to amplify the, that archetype in the book. Um, but yeah, that's how it's organized. So, these medicinal archetypes, and those are. Very contradictory. So thinking about how we house all of these different energies inside of us all the time, and it can feel really defeating when we are told or when we bring ourselves maybe to believe that we're only meant to be one of them at once. And that we can't, but we're just full of all of these contradictions. So we are, you know, the wild child, we are the seductive lover, and the wounded healer, and the bone witch. So we're all of these things at once, and naming that as being um, a really potent source of power and purpose. Instead of it being like, oh, why can't I just be one thing?
0: <laughs> That's interesting because this is something I was thinking reading it is that it is so mirroring. Like I imagined, well, one myself, I could see and feel myself all throughout the book and the different um, archetypes and the way that you describe things. It was a, it was a, a way of feeling seen, but also again like through the audacity of your words. But I could see other people I know in there as well and knew like, wow, if they read these words, they would feel so seen and OK with, again, like the parts of us that maybe we judge or there have been projections thrown on us. It it feels like it's a beautiful way to re-understand some things. And I don't know, it it's absolutely beautifully written again, because, I you know, I said this <laughs> about the first book but this is what I loved. So just for everyone to know, you did mention they have these prayers and some are shorter and some like the stories um, are longer. I want to talk to you about one of them in particular, but I loved about it too, is I allowed myself to just grab the book and open it and see what it fell on. So I just had the intention of whatever I'm meant to read right now or what will resonate with me now, because there's a lot of prayers. I mean, you know, I was <laughs> so like, I want to see which ones really speak to me on this day. And it was incredible what I my eyes would land on and it mm-hmm. would speak to me so fully. So I wanted to ask you about that too. Did you have any intention of how the book would be used? And how did you even imagine the different archetypes like was it based on what you were seeing people go through was it based on your own eruptions uh yeah
1: both um i think i started with uh i mean i've been very into archetype for i don't know 5 years so thinking about archetypes as being very like small gods which a lot of witches would fight me on but like for me in a spell container I might work with an archetype as a power source uh, in the the very similar way that I might work with a deity and so thinking about which archetypes have uh, resourced me in my moments of maybe being in a dark night of the soul or maybe not maybe being in a place of standing in my power or whatever it might be and then how have I seen those archetypes also re not maybe not resource other people, but maybe, or just be relevant to other people. Um, and how certain stories, which of course are houses for archetypes, ha are, are medicinal for people in different ways, as in like the same story can just meet, you know, 20 different people each in a completely different way. They'll hear you know certain words that other people might not hear or they'll see a certain image in the story that the other person might not hear. And it almost always just gives you exactly the medicine that the deep soul needs at the time. So there was, I guess, in the writing, at least maybe not for every single prayer, but a lot of them, there was kind of a blind kind of trust that like, I'm going to write this thing and (laughs) it's it's going to serve some people in some way and then other people just totally it won't be for them and that that's okay. So yeah, kind of like allowing the the wild intelligence that I can't see be at work sometimes, but
0: yeah. Yeah, there were two that I wanted to share with you very specifically, because I mean, I know I can't, I don't want to give all the book away. I'm not going to read them. But the one of the times I um, opened it up, I landed on coins in the couch. And it literally made me laugh and smile at the same time. Because again, it did that thing of, this is really how I feel. Like I really, there's a part of me that, you know, has to fully accept like the way that wealth is seen and understood in this realm and what it provides. But at the same time, I don't give up, like, I don't care. <laughs> Do you know? And it's yeah. like, I just want to feel, you know, safe and secure and that like these types of things, but ultimately, yeah. So that yeah. one really made my heart smile because it was again, like this looking into a mirror of there it is, Daniel, yeah. like, yes, that's exactly how I feel, you know? And let me claim this and be okay with it, but be okay with my my, my matter of importance, not necessarily the worldview. Yeah. And then the witch's antidote. This <laughs> is so funny because this one I actually opened up on this morning. And mm-hmm. I did this um energy thing yesterday. I was just a participant just laying there. And mm-hmm. someone was doing energy work, and I literally felt like just things coming out of every orifice of my body. I was like, what is happening? And then I read that this morning. And again, it made me smile and it made me laugh. And
1: yeah. it made
0: me think of just, um, anyway, just what this life is. And I, it, I just was so curious about like, what ha- literally like does she just is she walking through the grocery store and this these words just hit her Like, does she like sit down and meditate and say speak to me like you know what what happens is or is it like a combination of everything
1: yeah well so this book was like a little bit different to write because you know it could be written in these smaller bursts because I'm just writing a paragraph yeah. at a time for most of the prayers. Um, but so yeah, sometimes I would be just walking through the grocery <laughs> store. <laughs> no, probably not writing in the grocery store, but getting yeah. back in my car and writing it really quickly. A lot of them were on my phone, um, or I wrote them on my phone when I would be you know, doing things. So it wasn't a, nece- and then I would translate them to the, uh, you know, to word later, but it wasn't written in exactly the same way as I would write my other, you know, longer, more prescriptive type books. So, yeah, but it does usually feel like, um, you know, I'll have an idea and it does usually surround a, either a single word or a really short phrase and then the rest of it kind of blooms around it. Um And I'm a really like visual and clairvoyant person. So I tend to see the thing and then I write to describe it. Um, Yeah, that's what it feels like is like, you know, being met with a vision and then just trying to pull the right words out of whatever it is that I might see. That's true most of the time.
0: Yeah, I was curious about that, too, because I also I literally did wonder if she's like walking through the grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) Inspirations just hit her out of nowhere I mean one because there are I mean there are a lot of prayers in here there are a lot of you know prayers songs incantations as you call all the variations of it and I it also made me curious too like work do is this something you just do for yourself like when you are um in your practice and whatever it is that you do for yourself. Does it come out in this way? Like, do you create these very personalized prayers, and what is the importance of that? The reason I'm asking is because I also came across when I was wondering there was somewhere in the book that you said it was like the the similarity of like a prayer also being like a spell and really no difference between the two. So, could you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so. I do believe that
1: as as it's important for writers to write every day and a lot of times for me that looks like just writing one of these short prayers in 15 or 20 minutes because that's how long I've got. Um, so in terms of like be, being part of my personal practice it does feel like a, a kind of tending to my art and if I'm you know if, if, if i'm just like in this place where it's like i have to write something these are the sorts of things that i would write it wouldn't necessarily be you know a longer story or anything else it would be this kind of um brief petition to the other world to you know do something or participate in my experience or give me a sign or something like that so so yeah on that level yes um and then to me personally, witchcraft is very much an art. I do love, you know, the beauty that goes into the symbolic action of a spell. And to me, that's not very different from the beauty that I would want to and try to infuse into my writing. So it does feel very similar. Um, And yeah, a spell is a prayer. Prayer means the earnest request. And I think that what some witches would fight me on would be the word request, you know, like in a spell, you're kind of claiming it like it's already happened. And there's this yeah. sense of fierceness and ferocity, but you can have that in a prayer too. It doesn't necessarily mean you're lying prostrate on the ground and humbling yourself before something. Yeah. Um, it is a request. It's, you know, a prayer and a spell. It's a conversation. You want an answer to it. You want <laughs> yeah. you want it to work, right?
0: So, yeah. Oh, that makes me think too. It seems like, and this is just, of course, my interpretation, listening to everything you're saying now, it feels like this book, in a way, like if you were some kind of, you know, well, you just being you is fine enough. But like, I just <laughs> seeing this vision of you, like, just coming and like handing the book down to us, like, come on, here, this is going to help you. <laughs> move ahead and move forward. Because to your point, I mean, there was obviously like in the last few years, like this condensed eruption and disturbance, not just externally, but it brought up a lot for all of us internally. And on the other side, a lot of people feel very free. in some ways, a lot of people feel confused about who they are and what they want now. In some ways, like there's, there's just this A lot was stirred. And so it it feels like as if this book is like, okay, it's okay. Just wherever you are right now, just here, grab this. And there's something in here for you that's going to help you reflect and will help you recover and will help you request and will help you just keep doing the dance. And so that was also, I was wondering like what the inspiration was for this book, especially in these times that this came through you now like did it start coming through during 2020 around that or was it like after the dust (laughs) I think it was after the dust I
1: think it um you know I I am very into this I don't know if it's its own archetype but the the three stages of initiation and thinking about everything that you just named about 2020 and 2021 and it really being this first stage of initiation like this severance and so people feeling lost it's because we crossed the threshold and we can't go back and all of society is telling us we have to go back or the overculture is telling us we have to go back and return to the way it was and we just know that we can't deep down and so what follows that severance or the death is the liminality and the void and the renewal doesn't happen until the third stage. And I don't think the renewal has happened for most people yet. And so we're in that underworld like Inanna hanging on the meat hook. And you know that's the least comfortable of the three stages of initiation. It's like, what do we do here? Time doesn't move the same way. No. You sort of don't know what's coming next. The, the uncertainty is so thick. Um, and so, you know, thinking about all of these contradictions and naming these archetypal medicines that are in the book, it's not really offering a solution because or, or a way out, I don't think, of the underworld. It's just like help, I, I hope, resourcing the reader and holding all of these tensions that they're already holding, but, yeah. you know, giving them uh, maybe some labels and names and prayers for... Yeah being on the
0: meat (laughs) hook yes 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 it it, it's I wrote down um a small piece uh, just a sentence that you wrote in the book and it goes so perfectly with what you said right now I think it I don't remember where it fell in the book but you said to be alive today is to be an apprentice midwife in the birthing room for a wilder world I was like wow (laughs) that really struck me yeah yeah I mean, because really, again, I feel like there's something soul settling about just the acceptance of, like, hey, like, hey, man, no, but (laughs) hey, like, we came here and we're here. And clearly, something has, you know, there's been an interrupter. And now, what do we hold in vision? And now, what do we want? Right. And to your point, while it can be very uncomfortable, even starting to be curious enough to examine these deeper parts of ourselves what if you know and yeah. it's funny you mentioned earlier the aquarium part I literally just told someone this morning it often comes up like why I even am so dedicated to my practice and why I care and I'm like well it's it's a really odd thing being an Aquarius you know I'm like I <laughs> Like, cause I genuinely care about humanity. Like I genuinely want like all of us to have, you know, like our freedom and, you know, yeah. and be like reasonable humans. Right. But just, just to be out of our upset, to be out of our, whatever it may be. However, I'm also constantly horrified by humanity <laughs> at the same time, you know? And so like, I have this weird, like, Mm, I don't really want to be in it, but I'm yeah. to what you said. I'm so excited to be here and to witness this and be a part of it and be part of the, the crazy parts too, right? Yeah. However, I'm also what keeps me connected is the thought that if we all just do what we're doing now, as ugly as it may feel and seem, there's the possibility that next time when I come back, yeah. you know like I don't even have a hope of like this like bright shiny day this lifetime no, no. I don't, I don't okay. care <laughs> I'm just like whatever this is okay <laughs> let's see what we do with this and then maybe a couple lifetimes down it'll look yeah. better <laughs> yeah
1: I think that Aquarians are so good at having that really long vision and um yeah because me too I don't. I don't think I get to see the end of it and yeah. I'm fine with it, I'm yeah. fine with it. Um, because I do trust that there, th- I do trust that this is going somewhere. Yes. yes. Um, I have that hope, but in this life, lifetime no, and my kids too, I don't even think that they yeah. really get to see it. So, you know, and I'm fine with it. Like, yeah, yeah let's be part of the long ancestral story yes. and trust that it has a really good ever after. And we'll see it when we see it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And there's something to that. I think that just lets me even like, it's more accepting of like now, like I'm not trying to make right now change overnight. It just makes me more curious about, Ooh, we get to have a hand in the process of what is happening right now. Yeah. But anyway, ever after, as you say, there (laughs) are some and I'm glad you said like they were you know a retelling of uh, fairy tales because when I read some of them I was like wait a minute this reminds me of but one that really I think I'm going to read it a few more times was the um the silver tree and the gold tree
1: yeah that was a good one
0: That was so good. It was one of those words where I started to speed read because I just wanted to see what was going to happen, you know? Yeah. And there was something about it that just felt so true to like yeah. different relationships that we may encounter in life. And it, it just, it stirred up things. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, I got to read this one again and again. Um, yeah. And I'm really going to, but even that, now that you mentioned that they kind of are like a retelling of the fairy tales, would would the fairy tale come to mind and you just saw it a different way or like were these in some way a reflection of what you've either noticed or encountered yourself?
1: They so all of them in there, I'm just making sure I remember them. I'm pretty sure this is true. All of the fairy tales that are in there, they I didn't change them very much yeah. from their original collected version. So Gold Tree and Silver Tree, that was collected from the Scottish Highlands in like the late eighteen hundreds. Um and it's supposed to be like the older, gnarlier version of Snow White. Yes. And so, you know, yeah. instead of the mirror mirror on the wall, it's the little trout in the well.
0: The well.
1: Yeah. <laughs> And instead of stepmother, it's the actual mother, which I think makes it a little bit sharper. Yes. but For all of them, you know, it's it's a revisioning in that they're my words. But I didn't I had a fidelity to the story and I didn't try to change the story too much because I really didn't need to in order for whatever that medicinal archetype was to be amplified. So, you know, I'm trying to kind of amplify whatever that archetype is for the book that the story might be housed in in bones and honey um, but yeah gold tree silver tree that was one that i found really by accident i i do this weird thing in my practice where if i have a dream that feels like somewhat mythic i'll google the images with the word fairy tale or story and see you know is there a story that i just don't know and almost always there is wow. and gold tree silver tree came from that i was having all these dreams of silver trees and then I started having like the same dream, but my mother would be in the dream. So it started to (laughs) have this really profound effect on me. Um, But yeah, like finding stories that feel like medicine and then being able to see how your whole life in some ways has mirrored that story. Yeah. Really cool and also sometimes shocking. But yeah, yeah, I think fairy tales are everything really. They have the, the this deep medicine in it. They were kept primarily by women. So they were taken less seriously. Um And it was like, well, nobody's going to take a children's story seriously. So let's tuck the old magic inside this story. So it's almost like every fairy tale is its own kind of box of shadows. Yeah. Um, You know, so we didn't have to hide the spell under the floorboards because a story wouldn't be hunted it was just this you know really benign thing right to the hunters anyway yes. so yeah
0: yeah and that <laughs> one I mean it was such a interesting contrast to say how I said the other's that I read, they would make me like laugh and smile at the same time. And I thought like, Mm -hmm. wow. And there are a few, like, really, they do poke at you, but in a very beautiful way, because I think your words really do cause some kind of reflection. And so with silver tree and gold tree, it felt like that and even hearing you describe right now, it's, it's hitting me this idea of like, like just letting, whatever is the rot like let it rot you know what I mean like don't don't um try to make it pretty (laughs) you know what I mean like just because it did something about that it really struck something that's why I have to go back and read it again Mm -hmm. but whatever it was it felt more like something that I'm holding that doesn't feel good but maybe I have tried to make it pretty right and instead No, it's like, if it's rotting, let it effing rot. And then, yeah. see, so you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I'm telling you guys, it's a book of magic is what it is. Yeah, Bones and Honey is a book of magic. That's what I'm calling it. Um, and... I know we're going to run out of time soon. I really do. I mean it with all sincerity and everyone knows who listens. Like I only say these things when I really genuinely mean it. Like you are a gorgeous writer. And if you go back to the interview two years ago, you'll hear me say the same. But this is just so interesting. I think I love too, because it is one of those books you will go back to again and again. It's not something you're going to just read and then it's on the bookshelf like you could literally work with this book every day and just see. Um, I also like the idea of it of like, if I know I'm having a day where I need something, I need some kind of medicine. Yeah. And I yeah. know like something stirring or stuck or whatever, just by the way you've titled the books, I know yeah. that a particular <laughs> book will call to me. And then within that, there will be another calling to whichever prayer. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Yeah. That was what I was hoping for.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's really beautifully done. And I just love the whole 13 thing. Not to mention this will air on the 13th, right? Yeah. Um. But I wanted to ask you, because we speak a lot about you writing and being such a beautiful writer, you have a program called the night book. And mm-hmm. it's a 13 week writing intensive that will start in February. Could mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about what the night book is and who it's for? Like, do you have to be a writer already? Um,
1: You don't. It is a program for uh, scripting, mapping, and then actually writing a book. So I've led these writing intensives all of them different but pretty regularly since early 2020 maybe even the end of 2019 and I it's a small group container so it's it's just nine people in the night book um and it's what's beautiful about them is that there's sometimes there's people in there that have published books, you know, traditionally, and then there's people that have like really never written anything aside from what's in their journal and and everybody comes together and everybody's just on the same level. Like it doesn't matter. There's no hierarchy. Um, and it's all about everybody writing their own individual book of wisdoms. So it might be part memoir or part, Book of Shadows or Grimoire or part legacy book, there's often people that are saying, you know, I don't really want anybody to see this except my family. I'm going to, I want this to be the thing that I leave behind. Yeah. So that this is what they remember about me or this is what I want them to know about my story. Because if you tell them what you want them to know, <laughs> they don't figure out all of the other <laughs> At least I hope that's true. So, yeah, it is a program that's um, for people that, I mean, you do need to write. So you have to like writing, but there's no required level of proficiency or experience. Um, And, you know, mapping the book that you're feeling called to write. So with these programs, my whole thing is like, if you've already thought of the book, it already exists on some plane. You know, if you've imagined it, then the spirit of the word that wants to be written already exists and you just have to be in communion with it. Um, and sometimes you can do that in 13 weeks, and sometimes it ends up taking years, and that's kind of a surprise and up to the spirit of the word, and not necessarily you all the time. But yeah,
0: well, that's really exciting. Um, the reason when I saw it on your site, and I thought, like, wow, that would be really cool to be in that kind of space one because I think it gives us the structure and the discipline if it is something. That we have been saying for years, like, I want to work on a book or, oh, I just want to see what the experience would be to sit down and write. Usually when we have these kind of spaces, we actually make the room for it. And yeah. And then also knowing there's community, but honestly, on my side, like knowing there's someone who writes so beautifully, like you, that's holding the space that's attractive to me. Cause then I already feel inspired you know yeah um yeah so I just want to let everyone know about that the night book it starts in February but you can go to her website and learn more about it Danielle you've done it again (laughs) 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 really truly I mean honestly this is such an incredible book um and I haven't even gotten through all of the prayers yet but it Honestly, there was part of me, I didn't want to, because I was like, there, I want to be surprised on some days of where I just feel call and land on certain things or be able to go to it and still not have revealed yeah. all of it yet. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I really am looking forward to it. Um, and this, by the time we air, it will be released fully, right? I believe yeah. November 7th. Um, I think it's November 14th now, 14th, but okay yeah but so yeah tomorrow, <laughs> <'Cause> tomorrow. <laughs> yeah so everyone really i would say look at all of her work because the other book i read as well was so beautiful but if you go to Danieldelski.com, um, you can read about all of danielle's work there but also you post beautiful posts <laughs> and like so poetic so if you just want some inspiration some words to be like sugar and chaos to your ears visit her on instagram at wolf woman witch beautiful beautiful um content that you share there as well thank you yeah no thank you and thank you again for coming to share with all of us today and i look forward to chatting with you again in the next couple years next book next go around
1: (laughs) yes we'll see where we are there yeah
0: Yeah. Thank you so much, my love. And for everyone else, we will see you very soon. Bye for now. Okay, beautiful alchemist. Um, Thank you so much for joining me and Danielle for this conversation today. Again, you can go to her website, danielledulski.com. Don't forget that she is going to have a live session to explore the book Bones and Honey. So if you order the book, be sure to join her November 15th, 16th, and 17th for the live sessions. And if you register, you will have access to the recordings. Um, You can go down into the show description. You will see the link to register for the live sessions and have that discussion with Danielle. Also, do not forget to go to my website, theenergeticalchemist.com. And you can sign up for the Reiki Rays Global Healing Summit, which is going on right now. We are on day three. Again, you have the option to register for free or you can do the all access. Both options are available on the homepage of my website. And while you are there, sign up for the newsletter so that you get free access to Creating with the Moon and Stars, as well as 22 Days of Transformation. And you will get um, the Energy of the Month. Okay. So have a beautiful new moon my loves. I thank you all for being here. I'll see you next time and remember to always journey in love. Okay, round
1: 2. Name something that's not boring.
0: A laundry? Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
1: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.